want to just feel his presence. Hallelujah. Your holy presence. Let your Shekinah just fill this house. Your anointing come. The glory of the Lord manifest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 2. The Lord's put a word in my spirit today along the topic that we're on, sermon series, Death Defeated. And I want to show you some things from the Word of God from Genesis 2. And while you're finding Genesis 2, uh, this is, April is an important month to my wife and I. At the end of this month, we celebrate 45 years, wait, of ministry here at the church. Full-time ministry, 45 years We've been in full-time ministry here at Evangel Temple. I graduated from Southeastern Bible College and came here and, and uh, got on staff full-time and started serving the Lord. And uh, just so thankful for these 45 years and uh, all that God has done. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And the Lord God took man. And put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So when God put man in the garden, he said, you're not just going to sit over there by the Nile River or the, whatever the three rivers, the headwaters that came together and put your feet in the river and not do anything. He said, you got work to be done. So it is in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not created to just do nothing. The Bible says he was put there to dress and keep the garden. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree, the garden was full of trees. Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt what? Everybody say, surely die. So one was a wrong tree. Don't eat off that tree. How many times does God have to tell us, don't do something? Come on, church. Don't touch that tree. There was just one tree. You got all these other trees. And... Uh, all these other trees that they could eat off of, there was a tree of life, and I'll show you that in a few minutes, but don't touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You may be seated. It was in the Garden of Eden where death began. Henceforth, the sermon series, Death Defeated, because it began at the very outset of mankind, that in the garden where God put man Death was never God's original intent, right? Look at God. He created a wonderful setting, a beautiful setting, an environment that was lush, fruitful, beautiful. But man listened to the lie of the devil. So it is down through the history of man, man has always chosen, man many times has chosen, the lie of the devil over the truth of God's word. 
And today, you and I still have the same quandary, the same perplexing situation. I've got to distinguish between right and wrong, truth and error. I've got to choose what's right. Because when man chose to eat of one tree that God said, don't touch, to disobey the word of God, death ensued. Death came. When all that God had created, and he put man there to dress and, and to keep the garden. I, I see this original intent of God. God meant for us to have a Mary spirit and a Martha spirit. Jordan's been doing a great job teaching about Mary and Martha. And you have them both there in the New Testament. But do you know in the Garden of Eden, you were to walk in the cool of the day and be in the presence of the Lord? That's that Mary spirit. But then you were to be a Martha. Get up and serve. Dress the plants. You had to fertilize around all these trees. And, and uh, I've read some about the Garden of Eden and the vastness of that garden. This was not just a little garden like we would know. And, uh, you know, on our side of town, uh, my home, I've had some little small gardens. No, the Garden of Eden stretched for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles. It was a massive garden, and uh, it is supposed that it took up, uh, even countries were a part of the Garden of Eden, that it was an amazing area, and, uh, but it was a God area. Do you know God's always planned good for his people? What happened when they left Egypt? I'm taking you to the promised land, a land of milk and honey, a land of blessing. What happens when we leave this life? He's taking us to heaven. God has always had for mankind something far better than what we settle for in this old life. We settle for the lesser rather than the greater, what God has for us. And God put man there to dress and keep the garden. There was work to be done. Very possibly, we were never to face death. And I'm going to show you this in just a minute. We were never to experience death and die. You are made up of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. And I can show you that the soul and spirit never die. Never die. When you're created, when you come into life and become a living being, the soul and the spirit will never die. It will live eternally. Your soul and spirit. Only the body dies. And so, it stands to reason that when God created the entity, he created us in the image, if I say image, of God. God never dies. The angels never die. Amen? We were created to be eternal beings. That was the original intent. Death was not the original intent. But man bought into the lie of the devil. Man bought into the, the thought process that uh, surely you shall not die. I want to tell you, there are things that God says that you should not do and things that you should do. And the sooner we can learn those things, I'm telling you, it was disobedience to the law of God that brought death into the Garden of Eden. Go to chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, real quick. The serpent was more subtle than any of the beasts of the field. And he said unto the woman, 
Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of, of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Verse 4, The serpent said, and they believed him, You shall not surely die. This is the quandary that mankind has been in since the beginning of time. Is that we believe the lie of the devil over the truth of God's word. Let me show you something about the existence of life on earth. And a little graphic here. That when God first created mankind, Adam lived 930 years. But this is after the curse. What would it have been like had it been before, if the curse had never happened. But after the curse, even back in history, Adam lived 930, Methuselah lived 969, Noah lived 950, mankind today, Psalms 90, Moses wrote this, says man lived about 70 or 80 years. I'm telling you, you were created as an eternal being, possibly never to die, never to face death, there would have been no need for this series, Death Defeated, had man not bought into the lie of the devil. What does that say to me today? I need to be on point. Not listening to the devil, but knowing the Word of God, knowing the promises of God, walking in the Word of God, and keeping myself pure and holy, and uh, living the life that God's called me to live. Amen? Death began to take its place in the cycle of life. Go to chapter 3, verse 7. I want to show you something. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of God walking in the cool of the day. I, I want you to know man always tries to cover up his own sin. When what we need to do is confess our sins because he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to remove all unrighteousness and to make us righteous beings. You know that when you come to Christ, when you give your life to Jesus, the Bible says righteousness is imputed. This is a theological uh, uh, part of the gospel that, friends, God takes what was old and makes something new. We become the righteousness of God in Christ, a brand new creation in Him. Thank God for the work of grace and mercy in our life. Thank God for the work of salvation. Amen? But don't cover your sins. Don't sew your fig leaves together. Amen? He that covers his sin will not prosper. But I want to show you one more verse before I leave this point. Verse 22. Everybody look at verse 22. Hallelujah. Chapter 3, verse 22. Yeah, verse 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat, and what? Live forever. What would happen if you eat of the tree of life? Two trees. 
two choices in life today. Serve God, love God, obey God, listen to the lies of the enemy. If you ate of the tree of life that was in the midst of the garden, two trees in the middle of the garden, God says, are very important. Listen up, church. Listen up, people. If you eat of one tree, you'll live forever. And because they fell, God could not leave them in the Garden of Eden. Because they embraced sin, they would have been eternally living in a sinful state. So he couldn't leave them in the Garden of Eden. He put them out of the Garden and put an angel with a flaming sword. Because if they had eaten in their fallen state from that tree, they would have lived forever in that fallen state. But I'm thankful that Jesus, listen to me, church, that tree of life in the Garden of Eden represented one thing, the Son of God, the tree of life, that if you eat of Him, I'm telling you, you'll live and not die. Amen? There's life in Jesus. And what we got to do is come to Jesus. Amen? Point number one. That was just the introduction. Amen. Point number one. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Sin brings death. It brings death spiritually, but it brings death in your body. Different sins produce different things. And that's why it's important, shall, Romans 6 through 8, the whole three chapters there, is should we embrace sin or should we reject sin? Shall I continue in sin that grace may abound? No, God forbid, Paul says. We got to get sin out of our lives. Because sin works death in our members, in our physical bodies. You can embrace sin in your life, and I'm telling you, death will start working in your members. We've got to repent of our sins and confess the gospel, confess the love of God, confess the mercy of Jesus. Hallelujah. Everybody go to Ephesians chapter 1. I want to show you something. Ephesians chapter 1. You're being mighty quiet out there this morning. Hallelujah. Ephesians 1. I'm sorry. Ephesians 2, 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. When you embrace a sinful lifestyle, when you embrace, even as a believer, when you embrace sin into your life, death begins working in your members. You were dead. We were all dead in our sins and our trespasses. But I want you to know that the grace of God came to us. You ought to jump up on your feet and thank God for grace and mercy. Now, come on. I want you to get up and let's thank God that we're saved. We're born again. Hallelujah. You want to stop the process of get Jesus in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated. We were dead in trespasses and sins. That word trespasses is an important word. It means deviation from the right path. Sin means to miss the mark. God, you know... That, I don't believe any rational human being can read this Bible and not know what is expected of us. 
and, and understand what's right and what's wrong. You were created to do the right, not the wrong. I'm going to say that one more time. You were created to do the right and not the wrong. Dead and trespasses and sin. Go with me to James chapter 1. Towards the end of your Bible, amen. James chapter 1. Sin brings death. Sin shortens lives. Now, I said this in early service, and I will go ahead and quickly explain this. Not all sickness is caused by sin. But a whole lot of sickness is caused by sin. Many times, when you read the Gospels, many times Jesus said, go and sin no more. Lest the worst thing come upon you. And you can embrace sinfulness and it'll start working in your members. Put sin away. Shall I continue in sin? God forbid. But not every sickness is because of sin. There are just plain right out attacks of the devil that you got to get the victory over. But I want you to look at James chapter 1 verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. How are you tempted? By your own lust that you give into, that you give knowledge to, you give thought life to. I want you to know, now listen, we can't stop the devil from depositing a thought. But what you can do is you can cancel it and put the blood of Jesus over it that quick. Well, thank you for about five or six good amens. But I'm just telling you how this thing works. The devil wants to get into your mind, wants to get into your life. And every man, when he is tempted by his own lust and enticed. Then look at what verse 15 says. When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. So you give entertainment to these thoughts and these things the devil bringing your way. It bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth what? Death. So what do we got to do? Get the sin out. Amen? Go back over to Ephesians chapter 2. I want to show you something else. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm teaching you this morning how to defeat death. How to defeat death. Amen. Verse 1 says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, deviation from a prescribed path, missing the mark, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation, that word means our lifestyles, in times past, in the lust of the flesh, the fulfilling of the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But verse 4. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. I have it up there. Verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, wherewith he has loved us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's a powerful verse. 
wherewith he has loved us. He's rich in mercy. I want you to know God knows. How many of you have a past? I want you to hold your hand up. Be truthful. Come on, God's watching. Aren't you thankful it's forgiven? Aren't you thankful it's under the blood? I'm here to say that not one thing that has been done can't be forgiven if it's confessed. But don't hold, don't sow fig leaves around your sin. God sees the nakedness of our life and he knows what we've done, where we've been in life, and what he's wanting to do. He loves you so much that he's wanting to shower down his love, his grace, his mercy. But we've got to come to God and we've got to repent of our sin, confess our sin, because he's faithful and just to forgive our sin and remove every spot and every stain from our life. Death can be defeated where it's been working in your members, where it's been working in your life, where it's been destroying things in its pathway. I want you to know if you'll just come to Jesus and just say, Jesus, I come to you and I repent of all my sin. I repent of all the things that have gone on in my past. I put it uh, before you, Jesus. He'll wash it away as far as the east is to the west and remove every stain of sin from your life. Hallelujah. Then you can stand up with the company of believers that have been blood washed. Hey, heaven is filled with people. Their sins have been remitted. Their sins have been forgiven because of grace and mercy. God's not looking to hold something over on you. He's looking to cover your sins and to make you a child of the king, to make you his righteousness a new creation in Christ Jesus. How much does God love us? To never even remember those sins. But man wants to sow fig leaves. God had to clothe them. Go back to Genesis. I don't turn there now, but God had to clothe them. He took animal skins and clothed Adam and Eve because of the nakedness of their life and, and what they had just touched. God is looking for a generation in these last days that he can reveal his love, his mercy, his grace. I'm telling you, we're in the throes of a mighty spiritual awakening, a mighty revival, and we're going to see people coming in here and have been seeing people come in here that have been way out in sin, way out in life, and way out in the the, the flesh, and I'm telling you, God is turning lives around. God is setting people free. God is doing some things because He is a God of grace and mercy. He doesn't want you as a children, a part of a, the children of wrath and disobedience. He wants you a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the blood of Jesus, cleansed from my sins, renewed in Christ. Amen made a new creation the old has passed away and behold all has become new hallelujah. hallelujah god who is rich in mercy wherewith he has loved us even when we were dead in sins hath he quickened us together with christ by grace are you saved if you're thankful for grace you ought to just throw your hands up right now come on just thank you up in that balcony come on Hallelujah. If you're thankful for grace, 
grace is God's goodness and mercy withholding punishment. Unmerited favor is the actual definition. When we deserve punishment, when we deserve those stripes that Jesus took and that beating that Jesus took, he loves you so much that he allowed Christ, his only begotten son, the jewel of heaven, the jewel of heaven to experience the brunt of rebellion, the effects of rebellion and disobedience, to take that upon his spotless, sinless being because he loves us. How much does God love you? A whole lot. That he gave Jesus, that he defeated death through his son, and he defeats death in our lives when we accept Jesus. How powerful is deception? Listen to pastor. I'm closing. I want the worship team to come. If the devil can convince one-third of heaven, the angels of heaven, now you think, think with me, one-third of the angelic host of heaven believed the devil in heaven, not on earth, but where sight, where they had seeing, hearing, they knew the throne room of God. They knew all that heaven affords. They knew everything about heaven. And one-third of the angelic host bought, bought into Satan's lie. How powerful was deception? Adam and Eve believed the devil over God. I'm telling you, friends, we deal with something really strong in this age. The Bible says in the last days, many will depart the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Many. They've been in the way. They, they've walked the truth, and they give heed to How powerful is deception in this hour? You better stay rooted and grounded. My pastor was talking about membership is so important because I believe everybody needs strong spiritual coverings in their life in these last days. You need a strong spiritual covering over you and in agreement with you that the devil is a liar and I'm a recipient of the grace and mercy of God and I want everybody to stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. I'm going to go ahead and read this while they're coming out. That in ages to come, in eons to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. And not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. Wow. That's powerful. That's powerful. By grace are you saved. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning, and you've not given your life to Christ, I want to invite you to move from where you're standing immediately and just run to this altar.
If you've never been saved or if you're a backslider, I invite you to come right now. Or if over a period of time you've allowed some things to come into your life and you know you need to be at this altar. Friends, eternity is for sure. You're an eternal being. And your body, soul, and spirit will be somewhere for all of eternity, either heaven or hell. One of the two. But God loves you so much that he allowed his son to defeat death and come out of that tomb victorious that we're going to shout about in two weeks from today on Easter Sunday. But God loves us so much, but we cannot buy into the lie of the devil any longer. And we cannot sow fig leaves on. Amen? If you need to be at this altar, I want you to move from where you're standing. Up in the balcony, the gallery, on this lower floor. Come on. If, you, if there's something you need to put under the blood of Jesus, I invite you to come. What about it? What about it? Jennifer, lead us one time through, and then I'm going to pray. 